Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us this morning. Please stand with me as we come together and worship through song. As we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Please be seated. 
Good morning, church. Ooh, can we try that one more time? Good morning, church. And good morning to you online. We are so glad that you are watching. What a beautiful morning to be in the house of God this morning. I've got a few announcements for us. Continuing this evening, there will be three classes to choose from beginning at 6 p.m. The first one, Take the X Out of Anxiety by Lisa. The Baptist Faith and Message Discussion by Pastor Cliff. And new this week, The Chosen Discussion led by Richard Hazelwood. Comparative Denominations by Randy Darr will begin after the Baptist Faith and Message is concluded. Also, I'd like to invite all of you on Wednesday evening at 6.30 for our prayer and share in the other building. On Thursday, May 11th, this is the opportunity of a lifetime, you can join the quilters. All right, 10 a.m. at the Activity Center. They would love to have you. Also, Emmanuel Baptist Church is looking to hire a new administrative assistant. If you're interested in the position or you'd like more information um, on a job description, send any inquiry or resume to Pastor Cliff, or you can talk to him in person, too. You may talk a while, but you can talk to him in person. <laughs> With that being said, I'd like to ask um, our deacon, Richard Hazelwood, to come forward to lead us in prayer. I want to bring you greetings from the states of Missouri, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Texas. We've been traveling around the last couple of weeks, and it's good to be home. Uh, another couple of weeks, I'll go again. So enjoy what little time I get to spend with you. I want to welcome each of you here today, both in person and online. It's nice to look out at the parking lot and see almost all the spots filled right out here. That was good. Um, to see people squeezing in there is nice to not have to... Uh, have all the empty spots so they could just pull in easy. We want to make it as difficult as we can to park because that means we got more people here. So we thank you for coming today. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the day that we can come and praise you. We thank you for the rain that you sent. We pray, Father, for the uh, difficulties that uh, the lack of rain has caused. We ask that you be with everyone involved with that. And we just pray for this day that you would uh, help us to please you with it. Pray for Pastor Cliff as he bring us, brings us your word, that we can have the message that we need to take to heart. Help us to do so as we uh, leave and go out without that, with that message to be able to share with others. We ask and pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me if you're able, and we'll come together once again and worship through song.
his morning sun and those weeping through the night come those who tell of battles won and those struggling in the fight for his perfect love will never change and his mercies never cease but follow us through all our days with a certain hope of peace. Rejoice, rejoice, let every tongue rejoice. One heart, one voice, O Church of Christ,
majesty, Lord of all, let every throne before him fall, the King of kings, oh come adore. All right, those that left are going to have fun. The rest of you are stuck here with me. Okay, so we're going to dive right back in the first chapter. We're going to pick it up in the, in the second chapter. And, uh, you know, John writes this, John wrote the book of John, the gospel, so that we know how to have faith. He gave us everything that we needed to know so that we could accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and then we come to 1 John, and it's, it's that, how am I going to live my faith out? Because we've been made a new creature, right? Is that what Paul tells us? And, and, and Jesus tells us in, in John chapter 3 there that we're going to have a new birth. That's the idea of being coming something new. And so if we've understood what John taught to us in the Gospels, and we've become a Christian, we've asked Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, then what does it take for us to live that out? Because here's what we find even today, and I suspect that's why John wrote this letter, is oftentimes what we do is we just added something to our life, but we really didn't change our life. And we're going to talk about the change that John is driving at, and it's a hard change. Matter of fact, when I read through the book of 1 John, it's like, man, this is, this is tough stuff. This is a difficult letter. But let's, let's walk through this as we do this. And we, we got a long way to go, right? we got four more chapters to go after, or three more after this chapter. And, and we, there's a lot of stuff there. So let's wrestle with it together, and let's get to a better place than we were when, before we started studying 1 John. Before we came in today, let's be in a better place as we walk out of here. The, the key themes in the book of 1 John, and we're going to cover a couple of these today, is light, righteousness, love, and assurance. We're going to hit the righteousness, we're going to hit the opposite of that when we talk about sin, and we're going to talk about assurance also as we walk through this today. I want to ask you a question. I, I went back and I thanked Heather for doing the announcements because 
I didn't ask her until just before she popped up here, okay? That's just how it worked today. And, and so she told me, she said, well, I'm really good at talking. <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah. <laughs> her kids are sitting down front shaking their head, yes, okay? Here's the deal. You've all learned to talk. Now, you weren't born talking, were you? You made noises, but you learned to talk. So we walked, we walked along this way. We've learned to talk. If you have a passion for something, you're much better at it now than when you began. And I began to think about this. I'm, I'm pretty well known for my, my chocolate chip cookies. If you haven't had them, there will come a time when you'll get to experience them. Chocolate chip cookies, life settled them down a little bit. Maybe I'll have an opportunity to make cookies again. And we'll do that, all right? We'll have cookies. So I want to tell you that the cookies now are really good. But I want to tell you of a time that I made cookies when my cousin came down with her kids to visit Alicia. This was back when Alicia was in fourth grade and out with the surgery. I decided I would be like, I would make chocolate chip cookies. How hard can it be? I mean, the recipe's on the back of that yellow bag that the chocolate chips come in. And so I did that. And when I got done baking them, there was something not right. I mean, really not right. You know, they ended up being topping for ice cream because they weren't really cookies. You know, there were, I, I think when you take the flour out of the equation and just mix sugar and chocolate together, I don't think they're called cookies anymore. So I, I'm just going to, I don't know what it is that you're good at now, but you've got a story like that. Where you started out here, and, and, but you stuck with it, and now you're, you're here. You're at a much better place than you were when you started. You had those, uh, okay, this, you, know, you made the birdhouse and forgot to put the hole in it, you know, whatever it might be. And, and so, you know, those kind of things we learn. Here's the question. Are we better at living the faith today than when we started that's, to me, that's a really good question. And that, that's essentially what John presents to us here in the first 11 verses that we're going to read, is the idea of, are we better at living our faith? If we, we started here where we really couldn't walk the faith like a baby, we couldn't talk. But are we now at a better place in our walk with Jesus? That's what, that's what John's driving at, is that we just don't get saved that we grow and mature as a Christian. It's called sanctification, but it, it requires that we participate in it. And it requires that we put a little effort into it to grow in our life with Christ. So let's read these first 11 verses out of chapter 2. I'm reading it on New American Standard. You can follow along in your version, or you can follow along on the screen down here if you're online. My little children, I'm, didn't you love that? The greeting, that, that, the compassion that he has for these believers that he's had a part in their life. You know, my little children, that, that's that. He's loving on them. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. 
and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought to himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because, his dark, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's start out with this question. What's our goal? Okay, what's our goal? I'm trying to frame this so that we can understand it, take it home, and live it out. What's our goal? I'm going to share with you a little story that I probably shared with you before, but it fits here. I, it just when, I, when I'm thinking about this, this, this is probably the best story I've got for this kind of question. What's our goal? Years ago, I used to run track. Ran track for Litchfield High School. I, I ran half mile. Uh, mile when they made me kind of thing. And so... So, so we had a coach. He was our track coach, but he was a, he was a wrestling coach. Honestly, the, 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 the track coach was just something that he filled in to take because I guess nobody else would do it. So he's, he's, he, he walks around like this, okay? He worked construction in the summertime, and I think he could pick up concrete buckets, you know, things like that. He was all muscle. And so we're going into this triangular meet. I think it was at our place, as a matter of fact, and Effingham, Effingham is, was a nemesis to us on the track. They were a bigger school. And I think Greenville, and I know how Carlinville feels about Greenville, we felt the same way, okay? So now you understand that. They were our nemesis, too, on the track for that season. So they were coming up there, and Coach set us down the day before the meet, and he goes, hey, guys, we're going to lose. I mean, that's, that, that was our goal, was we're going to lose, okay? We're going to go in this triangular meet. We're not as good as either one of those teams. We may take a point here or there, but we're not, we're not going to win. So we show up next, next day, go through our routine, and go into classes and paying immense attention to the teachers, right? And then we got to the track meet that we're going to lose. Now, I'm just going to tell you that they learned something very quick with me. I was, you know, they, they, they put me, I was the fastest guy in the two-mile relay that particular year, or, or one of those years. Anyway, they put me at the front, uh, they put me at the back end, because you put the fastest guy, that's your, that's, your, that's your closer. Well, by the time they gave me the baton, we were half a lap back. And I'm realistic. So I'm looking at the guy half a track, half a lap ahead, and I'm going... Well, I'm not catching him, so I'm just coasting in this. I'm not breaking any times. I, you know, if I make this in three minutes, we're good. They'll wait for me. That's how that works. The timers stand there until you get there. And so, and maybe a little impatient, but they get there. So, so they learned to move me to the front. But that day when we showed up, everybody was doing what Cliff did. We weren't putting in our effort 
because why? We were going to lose. Our goal was to lose. So now let's fast forward. We get home from the track meet. We, we go to Burger Chef and Jeff and do whatever else we got to do. And, and, and then we come back to school the next day. We go to the track practice. Coach brings us in and puts us on the stage there by the basketball gym and then proceeds to chew us out for the next half hour. He chewed himself out too because he said, here's what happened. I told you guys you're going to lose, and that's exactly what you did. And you did it well. You did it better than I expected. All right, you, we set the goal here, and we accomplished it. How do we live our life out as Christians? Where do we set the goal at? Hey, John told us we're going to sin. We confess it. He'll take care of it. So we go out in our life, and we're just going to go, it's okay to sin. We're not going to, so I got saved. Jesus forgave me of my sins. And I'm just going to continue to live the way that I did because there's just all this grace going on and I'm just going to make use of it. Moms, that's why you keep your kid in white pants, right? In white shirts. So they can go out dirty? No. Listen to what John says there. Did you catch that when we read that in the very first part of the scripture? So that you may not sin. That's the goal that he set. Not so you can go out there and just keep living in your sin. He wants to change your life. He's not setting the goal down there so you lose. He's setting the goal up here high. So you're aiming at not sinning. That sounds really steep, doesn't it? But who are we supposed to be like? We're supposed to be like Christ. And what did Christ, when he walked here on the earth with all of the temptations... I mean, Satan himself took him out in the very beginning and took him up and tempted him in the wilderness. He didn't bow down to that. Satan himself. He didn't bow down to that, and he walked along this earth with all of the, the criticisms, with all of the enemies, and he did that without sin. So what John's saying is that as Christians... Our goal is to be like him. And if that goal is to be like him, guess what? It means so that you may not sin. He's writing this letter, so we'll set this goal up here so that we may not sin. It becomes an important thing that John's going to keep coming back to this throughout the letter. We're going to read here in verse 3, 8 and 3, 9. We'll get to those eventually. Flip the slide there. The one who practices sin is of the devil. In other words, he doesn't put a tolerance up there. He, that's where he, he clocks it at. That's what we need to think about. No one who was born of God practices sin. So that's the goal that he's setting, so that we may not sin. That's tough stuff, right? But that's where our goal as Christians, that's what John's asking us. If we're going to be his little children, we're going to be part of the family of God, let's set a new goal, not to just keep on living life like we did before, but let's set a goal to live like Jesus did, and that means eradicating sin from our life. Let's work at that. Anything that we set a goal at, it's high, right? And we got to, we got to get better at it. Over and, It takes a lot of practice. You know, I didn't mess up just one batch of cookies. I've done that countless times to get to where I'm at now. You do something, and if I go back, you'll find out that you blew it here. You got a little better. 
You improved on that, you got a little better. That's what the Christian walk's about. The idea of not tolerating, not just being okay with sin. Right? Not just being okay with sin. We want to improve, and we're not there until we get to Christ level. And that's without sin. That's the goal that we need to set. I want you to think about that. Lock that in. That's our goal. That's what we're aiming for. Now, what if I fail? John asked, you know, he puts that goal up there, and then he follows immediately with this. The idea of what if, what if I fail? Because, you know, do I go into panic mode? Man, I just blew it. Um, I, you know, and, and this is the other thing that we're walking through. Because John's teaching against the false teachers. The false teachers have come in, and they, they've tried to eradicate sin, not by seeking forgiveness, but by disclaiming it. By distancing, you know, well, that sin belongs to the body and the soul, you know, and they want to separate it all out. John's not going there. So John told you, now here's your goal, let's leave it without sin. You can't distance yourself, but now here's the real question you come back to, what if I do sin? Because he's already addressed that, right? What if I, you know, the idea of confession, what if, what if I sin? He says, if anyone sins, follows that right up, this is what, I'm writing this that you might not sin, but if anyone sins, follows it up. He anticipates the question. I was talking to Gage a little bit this morning. We were talking about our week, and I said one of the things that I had to do this week was to chair a, uh, the CAC, the Christian Activity Center down in East St. Louis. And, and I'm going into it knowing the potential hazards, the potential uh, points in the meeting that, that, that emotions could rise because questions need to be answered and so forth like that. How did this happen kind of thing? And so what you do is you anticipate those questions and you prepare for those questions so the meeting goes smoothly and you walk away and everybody likes one another still at the end of the meeting. That's my goal. And to be quick. So when John writes this letter and tells you, if it, I'm writing this so that, nobody, so that you won't sin, he anticipates because he's doing it too. Paul does it, Peter does it, and John. So he says, if, if anyone sins, I want you to know what you need to know. It's kind of like, in my head, I'm thinking of the fire extinguisher hanging on the wall or the, the, the thing that makes your heart go back to whatever, the rhythm thing, that thing sitting on the side, the AD, okay? Um, that's what I'm thinking of. In case of emergency, when you sin, what do you do? Well, let's go back to John 1, 9. We know that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Beautiful verse. Memorize that, right? Because if you're aiming to get to know sin, you're going to have to use that verse over and over again. It needs to be laminated, stuck in your pocket, right? And then he says, and this is I love, because as he talks about it, he doesn't go right back to that verse, but he tells us that we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. It's, it's not a court-appointed lawyer for somebody, that, somebody that's not, uh, you know, uh, uh, he's working for the state. It's, it's Jesus Christ. He's your advocate. 
He's coming on your behalf. He's, come, he's the one called alongside to help you get out of what? The, help you to deal with the sin. Because if anyone sins, remember, you have an advocate. And that advocate isn't just one of us. It's not Pastor Cliff. I'm not your help. Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross, who sits at the right hand of the Father, that's your advocate. Remember that. And then he tells us that he's our propitiation. Again, my favorite word, right? And, and you know, and I, and if I were a prop guy, I would have had props up here. And, and, and I would have I'd had to make it, so that's why it didn't get done. But I want you to picture your sin. Big block lighter sin here. Okay? How do we deal with sin? Here's what the false teachers would tell you. And here's what your world tells you. You take this, this, this golf ball, and it's called works. And you keep collecting these golf balls, all these good things you do, and then you try to stack it on top of sin and cover it up. It doesn't happen, does it? They'd roll right off of it. But your propitiation is a covering. It's like the, the wet blanket. It just goes right on top. To understand it biblically, it's the doorframe. We're going to use this because I think they can see it online. But the, in, in the Old Testament, when, G, when God was speaking to Moses and he was bringing around the 10th plague, the plague that we understand, it's the plague that we understand propitiation with. And what, the, what God told Moses was that they were to take a lamb and sacrifice it and take the blood of the lamb, Jesus in our world, but they would take the blood of the lamb and they'd put it on this side of the door, on this side of the door, and on the top of the door. And when the death angel would come by, he would see the blood here, here, and here on the doorway marking that doorway and the death angel would pass over. When the blood wasn't there, the death angel would take the firstborn of whoever was on the other side of that door. Jesus Christ becomes a propitiation, the covering for our sin so that the death angel passes over. I love that. He covers our sin with his blood. Nothing else can do that. Nothing else can do that. If anyone sins, we have an advocate, and Jesus Christ's blood is the propitiation for our sins. Something that we couldn't do. We sing these songs. We sing it. And realize what the, the words say. Jesus did this for us. Are we worthy? Did we earn that? Not at all. Could we ever? No. But because he loved us, he did that for us. I love that. So the goal is not to sin. But if we sin, here's what we can do. Now, here's the other question that the, 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 the enemy, Satan's going to sneak into your, into your head. Do I need saved? I mean, here I am, I'm back in sin. I'm right back where I started. Do I need saved? Let's talk about the assurance. Does sin disqualify us from salvation? And what he's going to talk about is this, because this is where, I mean, I, I remember back in college going through the doubts. I'm studying to be a preacher. Am I saved? Because the enemy puts it there. First John was the answer to that. So he, he anticipates that question again, and he talks about this. We know, we read this, we know that we have come to know him. Okay, we know that we have come to know him. 
How do we know that? It comes from our actions. It comes from our actions. So our actions don't save us, our works don't save us, but our actions bear out that we belong to Him. Our actions bear that out. If we keep His commandments, is what He follows up, we know that we, know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. If we keep His commandments, and He adds that the idea of loving our brother, of loving our brother. That's what He's stressing there. So, we don't quite understand the, the atmosphere or culture that John's writing into. But apparently, it's, it's a culture like we live in. There were those that said they belonged to God and did everything that didn't belong to a child of God. Just absolutely, just, just that's what they did. They claim Christ, but their actions and their lifestyle, where they put their trust, who they worshipped, and all of those other things, fell in lines with somebody that did not know, somebody that needed saved. But, remember this idea of the new birth. If we come along and Jesus comes into our life, what we're going to do is try to do those things that please Him, and that means keeping the commandments. And the chief of those commandments is what? The great commandment is to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Now, how do you show that in your actions? How do you show that in your actions? Think about that, because your life needs to bear out that you have a love for God. You know, if you're, if you're asking that question, do I belong to God? Well, ask, that other, ask the question, does your life bear out that you have a love for God? You love him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. How does that work out in actual play in your life? So that's what we want to work on. What's that look like to love God? And then the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And who's your neighbor? It's everybody. Right? So that's what he's talking about, loving your brother. And, and John, these, you know, John's taking Scripture from what he taught earlier about what Jesus said. John, um, Jesus said back in John 15, 17, love one another. That's loving your brother. That's loving your neighbor. And how does that work out? Because I can say I love God, but if I'm not seeking God out in prayer and reading the Scripture, I mean, that's the easy part. If I'm not doing that, how much do I really love God? And then if I'm going to say that I love my neighbor, and I'm, uh, I'm going to put myself at the top of the list and I'm going to take care of me and it doesn't matter who I march over to get there. Well, that's probably not really loving my neighbor like Jesus described there. And so what I want to do is I want to ask those questions. You know what I'm asking? You know, here, my goal is not to sin. If I sin, here's what I need to do. And then that check there, because when we fall into sin, the enemy wants to attack us and, and, and put doubt in our mind, because when we hesitate, James says we're like driven about by the, the, the waves, right? And James says this too, right? Love, love what James says. The idea that, that if, you, if you belong to God, I'm going to be able to see it in what you do. You know, years and years ago, I heard this illustration on WIBI radio at the time. And, and, and they said, if there's, 
If there's a fire in the fireplace, it works better when it's cold outside. If there's a fire in the fireplace, I don't have to walk into your house to know that you're burning wood in there. Because I can see the smoke outside. Sometimes I can smell the wood before I see the smoke. Right? So if we have Christ in our lives, then we ought to bear it. It ought to be bore out in what we do and how we do it. That's your confirmation. Has Christ changed your life? In how you seek to live it out in reference to Him and in reference to your neighbor? That's the questions that we get to answer. And that's the questions that John will take us through as we walk through this book because what's he want us to do? He wants us to live out our faith. He wants us to have confidence that we belong to him. He wants us to have confidence that we can live a, a more righteous life tomorrow than we did today. That we can seek to live out our life like Jesus did. Because the enemy wants to just side rail and say, there's no point in trying that. And then we end up like that track team that I talked about. We lose. And we really succeed at that. But John wants us, and he knows that we can do it because it's not us. It's Jesus living in us. So if we'll allow Jesus to live through us in the Holy Spirit, we can do those things that seem so impossible. And our life can be more like Jesus tomorrow than it was today. So here's my action steps. In other words, what are we going to do with what we just talked about this morning? Here's the action steps. Set a perfect goal. I'm going to guess that you guys came in today, and when reference with sin, you're just trying not to do too much of it. That's like driving your car and not trying to hit too many car other cars on the road. It's not working really well. So let's, let's just back down here. Let's, let's wipe off that goal that we had before of just living a little bit better than somebody else. Let's live like Jesus. Let's set that goal, not the goal to be better than Joe or Bob or Sally or Sue or a lost neighbor. Let's set a goal to live like Jesus. And let's work towards that goal because guess what? You're going to fail at that. I know that. John knows that. But let's set that goal. And when you fail at it, pick yourself up. Confess your sin. And remember, he's your advocate. He's on your side. He's trying to help you get to that point. And he's your perpetuity. Covering your sin with his blood. Be thankful for that. Pick yourself back up and do it again. Again and again and again. Prepare to seek the forgiveness. And then this. Write this down on a piece of paper. Stick it in your Bible. In 1 John this week, record one tangible act of love towards a brother. Something that shows that you belong to God because you're loving on your brother. I'm going to let you figure that out, right? You pray with God. God, what is it that to this week that I can do, like John said here, to show that I have love for my brother. What is it that you want me to do? Then do it and record it. And maybe it would be something that you'd want to continue to do. Because we need to be intentional about our goal. We need to be intentional about our love. 
Too many times it just happens and it's accidental. Let's see if we can be intentional about it. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. We're going to give you a time to respond. And, and um, I don't know what it is that you need to respond to. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I keep getting questions about the, the water in the tank and the sign on the, the board out there. Okay, we're ready to baptize. So we can get ready, all right? If you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you come this morning and do that. Because that's my greatest goal. That's his greatest goal. He came to die for you because he loved you so that you might have an eternity with him in heaven before the throne of God without your sin at some point. Secondly, maybe you need to to just confess, right? God, I, I, I set my goal down here and I really haven't changed my life. Help me to change my life. Help me to set that goal because as soon as you walk out of here, Satan, Satan's probably already working to lower that goal. God's going to have to help you to accomplish and set that goal. You may want to come and pray for somebody else. They don't know, they're not here. But there's a good chance that you'll interact with them this week and you want to pray that God would give you the wisdom to speak to them so that they might know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I was at the bike shop yesterday, no, Friday. It's my highlight of the week. No, not the highlight of the week, but it was a good day. And I have a friend. And that friend said something I thought he would never, ever say. We're a long way from where we need to be, but God's at work. So I want you to come and pray for whatever it is that that might need to be prayed for, that person. You may want to come and, hey, I want to go on mission someplace. Let's do that. Let's stand. Respond to how God is leading to you, and, and, and it can be beyond anything that I've just asked. Let's stand. Come behold the wondrous mystery He the perfect Son of Man In His living, in His suffering Never trace, nor stain of sin See the true and better Adam Come and save the hellbound man Christ the great and sure fulfillment of the law, in Him we stand. Come behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death, the God of life. But no grave could ever restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive. What a foretaste of deliverance. How unwavering our hope. Christ in power, 
resurrected as we will be when he comes. What a foretaste of deliverance, how unwavering our hope, Christ in power resurrected as we will be when he comes. Come behold the wondrous mystery, he the perfect son of man, in his living, in his suffering, never trace nor stain of sin. See the true and better Adam come to save the hellbound man. Christ, the great and sure fulfillment of the law, in him we stand. Come behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death, the God of life. But no grave could e'er restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive. What a foretaste of deliverance. How unwavering our hope, Christ in power resurrected, as we will be when he comes. Have a seat, guys. You want to go home or you want to tell me how, want me to tell you what happened? Oh, okay. Aaron, you want to walk up here? You want to bring dad with you? Okay. Yeah, you got to step here because now you're a movie star. Okay. All right. Aaron has come this morning and, and dad says he's been good about praying at home. Um, and so we've known Aaron for quite a while. And so Aaron is coming today, accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And amen. Okay? And he's presenting himself for baptism, and we'll determine the date at a, at a time later, okay? So do I have a motion to accept? Second to that? All right. All in favor? Clap. There we go. Let's do that again. You can high-five Dad, too. <laughs> all right guys i think that takes care of it for this morning come back to tonight at six o'clock okay six o'clock we got three classes taking or putting the x in anxiety lisa's teaching that one i've got the baptist faith and message we've had a good time 
and we're going to continue through that. And then Richard's starting a new class. If you've watched The Chosen or have been interested in watching The Chosen, they're going to start from season one, right? So they're going to start from season one, and there's a discussion and a study book on it, so you'll be really good at that, okay? So come back tonight for, for those three classes, and let's go out and let's live with a higher goal than when we came in today. Let's pray, and then you can come up and catch this guy before he disappears out the back or whichever way. You're not going to disappear too soon, are you? You're not going to, you want to shake everybody's hand? You want to give them all high fives? You want to give them all hugs? No, maybe not hugs. <laughs> okay. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. And Father, just pray your blessings upon Aaron's life. And Father, as he begins his journey to walk with you, Father, we pray that as a church family, we can walk with him and beside him to be an encouragement, Lord, to be an example. Father, we pray that as we go out these doors, that we'd set a goal to live like you. Father, not to live better than the world, but to live like you. And Father, I pray that as we go out, of this, out these doors, Lord, let us be light to a world that needs to see your love. In Jesus' name, amen.